Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. The minister we are featuring today was from Scotland, and what a servant of God he was. His name is Matthew Hardin. He served as conference president for the Lower Light Mission Organization in Michigan, as well as the Western Holiness Association of Churches. We thought you'd like to hear his personal testimony given at God's Bible School and College camp meeting held in 1978 in Cincinnati, Ohio. I know you're going to enjoy what you're about to hear. I have been told by someone, I don't remember who told me, many years ago when I had first started out to try to preach the gospel, said, uh, Brother Hardin, if you ever get to the place where you, you don't have anything to preach, <clears throat> why, begin to testify to what the Lord has done for you. Well, I'm not doing that this morning because I don't have anything to preach because I do have a message that God has laid on my heart for this morning. But I thought when this precious girl was testifying over here, many, many years ago, I was struggling with a terrible alcohol habit. I would have filled a drunkard's grave if it hadn't been for the grace of God. I tried everything possible. Alcoholics Anonymous couldn't help me. I had taken advice from some people that didn't help me. I had uh, clenched my fists and ground my teeth and said, this has got to stop. I'd wake up in the morning, have to reach way out here, scratch my head, wonder many times how I got home and got in bed. Realized this had to stop, but all of my efforts, all of my uh, resolutions, all of my determination to stop this thing just did not work. There was a little store building on Jefferson Avenue in the Downriver District of Detroit. In Prohibition days when they used to run the rum across from Canada on the Detroit River over into Ecorse, Michigan, where I lived, I had seen this operation going on many times and had been buying some of the stuff that came across that was anything but good. But they, some people came into that area and cleaned out an old store building and put some seats in there and had a piece of two before across there for an altar. And they began to have revival meetings. My brother got saved in that meeting. <clears throat> I'll never forget the night he came to the house. He said, 
Matt, come on and go with me to church. No, no, no. Church is not for me. He said, I got saved. I said, good for you. Come on, go with me. No, I said, I'm not going. I had just bought a fresh bottle and had put it up in the cupboard and was pretty well under the influence of drink then. He continued to talk to me. He's a rather high-pressured sort of a fellow. He's a stubborn man. He just wouldn't give in. He said, you better come on and go with me tonight. No, Douglas, I said, if you want to go on. I said, you, you go on and enjoy the thing. I said, I, I, I just don't think I, I'd, I'd, I'd better go. Why not? I said, well, my breath smells terrible. I've been drinking. I don't look good. I'm not washed. I'm not cleaned up like I ought to be to go to church. Maybe, maybe some other night. But he, he just held right on. Wouldn't give up. I went with him that night. I don't know why I'm telling you this. I went with him that night. Don't ask me what the preacher preached. I don't know. Don't ask me what went on in the meeting. I don't know. But it seemed like it was almost over. I was sitting in the aisle seat, clear at the very back, the second seat from the back. And I felt a strange persuasion to get out of my seat, walk down the aisle. I just felt a strange persuasion. I knew nothing about conviction. I'd never heard the word, only in the court of law perhaps, but I felt a strange persuasion to get up, smelling terrible. I made my way down to the little two before, and some precious old ladies gathered around me and built a little fence around me, a little hedge around there. They began to pray. I mean, I mean, they were desperate. They were desperate. They prayed and they held on and they stayed right at the job. When I saw this precious girl put her cigarettes on the altar that, like the other night, I got mine out and laid them on the floor. I used to be a very proud man. I would wear suits with a vest and I would make sure this top pocket it was well filled with good cigars. And I'd throw my hand back like this so everybody could see my cigars. I got those cigars out of my pocket. I laid them on the floor. I used to think it was quite manly for a man to chew tobacco, spit all over everything. That terrible Sister Downing. Sister Downing's face is all you could see Sister Downing's face down the end. I used to chew tobacco like it was going out of style. 
I got that patch of chewing tobacco out. Red man chewing tobacco. Put it on the floor. One of the ladies gathered it all up, cigarettes and cigars and chewing tobacco. And uh, they had a old potbelly stove that warmed the place. I can see her now. <laughs> it opened up on the top. She got a piece of rag, you can see her open that up on the top. Throw that stuff in the stove. God saved me that night. I mean God saved me. God saved me that night. I went home. I used to buy my tobacco, chewing tobacco, 12 packages at a time. You save three cents. Buying them by the dozen, you save three cents. Penny saved, you know. So I bought them by the dozen. I had just bought a fresh supply. I went home. I got that. I don't, people would believe me, I don't have the foggiest idea why I'm telling you this this morning. I was ready to preach when uh, Brother Vernon got, give me the microphone. I went home. I got those 12 packages of chewing tobacco. I took them out in the alley, broke the string, tore the paper, dumped them all in the garbage can. I took the fresh bottle of whiskey that I had just bought, broke the neck off the bottle, poured it all out in the alley. Amen. I was a man that used a lot of profanity. Oh, he was around me when things didn't go well. It, it, it wasn't nice to listen to. I've had people in the old steel mills where I worked, and they were rough, hard men, handling hot iron. Every day they worked, and I was one of them. I used to wonder, what, what, what can I tell these men? What can I say? The chief came over one day where I was working. They would handle our iron with hot iron with tongs, pick them up on strip mill. And, and I was handling my iron with my tongs. And he reached in my back pocket to get himself a chew of tobacco. There wasn't any there. He said, uh, what's the problem, Scotty, run out of money? I said, no. Mr. Hines, I didn't run out of money. How come you got no chewing tobacco? I said, Mr. Hines, I'm through with the chewing tobacco business. What? They called me Big Chew in the steel mill. My jaw was bulged out all the time. I used to take pleasure for sport and spitting on people's shoes. I could. I said, Mr. Hines, God saved me. Amen. 
I said, I'm through with the chewing tobacco. Now, he said, you'll never make it. Well, we'll see, Mr. Hines, we'll see. 35, 38 years have gone by. I'm still cured of the tobacco habit. In that area, those tough, hard, rough men in the steel mills, when something would go wrong and I'd begin to curse and swear that I've seen, I've seen those men put their hands up to their ears. I could swear like nobody could swear. But one trip to an old-fashioned mourner's bench. God gave me a new tongue. <laughs> They say the Scottish people are famous for their drinking and the Irish are famous for their fighting and we used to get together once in a while. It was a bad situation to say the least. But God took that all out. One trip to an old-fashioned mourner's bench, God took all of that out of my heart made me a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away, and behold, all things became new things. There's a good text for you, Mr. Downey. Old things, all things, new things. Friends, it actually happened to me. I was a professional medical photographer for 26 years. Brother, uh, brother, uh, I'm sorry, sir. Brother Willis, excuse me, Brother Willis. Was giving an illustration the other day about his wife's automobile and that that was hid behind the cardboard. In my work as a medical photographer, Dr. Jones came over to the laboratory that uh, was set up there at the University of Michigan Pathology Department. He said, Mr. Harden, I'm having difficulty getting some photographs of this microscopic slide. And uh, they tell me you've had good success at this kind of work. Would you, would you take some pictures for me? I said, you'll have to clear it with uh, a Dr. Murray Abel, who was the head of our department then. And I said, if you want to go with me, we'll go down and see Dr. Abel. And if Dr. Abel says it's all right, I'll see what I can do. Cleared it with Dr. Abel. I made the pictures. They came out very good. Called him and told him his pictures were ready. He came over. Was delighted with the results. Pictures were published in the medical journal. About three, four days later, I came from upstairs down into my lab. My assistant said, Mr. Harden, Dr. Jones was over. Oh, I said, uh, what did he want this time? Oh, he said, he left you a present. Oh, I said, that was very nice of Dr. Jones. 
It's over there in that brown paper bag. I went over, got the brown paper bag, and reached in there and pulled out a bottle of whiskey. Dr. Jones brought me a bottle of whiskey as a present for the favor I had done him. I took the bottle of whiskey and I went down to Dr. Abel and I said, Dr. Abel, Dr. Jones gave me a present for uh, the photo mics I made him. Oh, he said, that was nice of Dr. Jones, Mr. Harden. He said, whatever he gave you, put it in your pocket. He said, keep it for yourself. No, I said, Dr. Abel, I cannot do that. What's the problem? I pulled it out of the bag and showed he a great joke. <laughs> great joke. He said, that's a fine thing for a holiness preacher to have, a bottle of whiskey. They knew me. They knew me for what it was. I took it up to the chairman of the department, Dr. A. James French. I said, Dr. French, Dr. Jones gave me a present today. She did. Yeah. Well, that's good, Matthew. He said, I'm glad he did. He said, thank him and keep it. No, Dr. French, I cannot do it. Why not? I reached in the bag and pulled it out. He thought it was a great joke. He said, if I know you like I think I do, Matthew, he said, I think you'll pour that down the sink. My, also oh, quiet. No, Dr. French, I said, I'm not going to pour it down the sink. You don't mean to tell me you're going to keep that. I said, no, Dr. French, I'm not going to keep it. I'm going to call Professor Jones and thank him for the present and ask him to come and get it. Now you say, I wouldn't have done that. Well, you wasn't doing it. I was. <laughs> it makes a little difference, you see. I told my assistant, I said, get Dr. Jones on the telephone, tell him I'd like to speak to him. So I got Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones came on. I said, Dr. Jones, is Matthew Harden over pathology photography. Oh, yes, Matthew. He said, those are tremendous photo mics you made. I said, thank you, Dr. Jones. I said, I appreciate the little gift you left. Oh, think nothing of it. Think nothing of it. Oh, I said, I am thinking about it. And I said, if you have a few minutes, I'd like you to come over and, and see me. Oh, yes. He said, I'll be over in about an hour or something like that. I think he said he came over. And I said, uh, Dr. Jones, can I tell you a little story? <laughs> you got a few minutes to listen. Very busy man. Well, you, Mr. Harden, you said, I'll listen. I told him the story about how God had saved me. Delivered me from the whiskey habit. There was another doctor there with him. Those men stood there with their, with their mouth open. And one man reached for his hand and took his glasses off. Began to wipe his eyes. He said, you know, Mr. Harden, he said, I've heard about things like this. But he said, I, I never believed it. I said, Doc, it happened to me. It's still working today. Praise God. An amazing thing happened that opened my eyes that day. 
The word got all over the department, of course. So it has, I think, I think it was a residency of about 60-some doctors in the department at that time. The word got all over the department. Where soon one came down, another one came down, another one came down. <laughs> the holders preached. He got a bottle of whiskey. I said, yes, he did. <laughs> this one doctor said, now, he said, uh, Matthew, he said, I know you won't, you won't choose that. No, I said, I will not. He said, I'd be glad to take it off your hands. Oh, I said, uh, I said, uh, I, I, I thought you was a good friend's man. No reflection on the Reverend Miller Downing, I assure you. Yes, he said, I am. I said, what are you going to do with it? Well, he said, I like to keep a little in the cabinet for medicinal purposes. <laughs> so I said, if you, if you wouldn't mind, he said, I'd be glad to oblige you. I said, forget it, Don. I said, I've already given it back to Dr. Jones. Testify to Dr. Jones how God saved me from the whiskey habit. And I said, now, I just have difficulty believing that you'd take that home for medicinal purposes. Amen. I wonder, you, you, suppose, you, you suppose there's anybody here this morning that's got a little shot or two hid away somewhere you just saved it for medicinal purposes my Jesus help us well God's in the saving business today friend and what he's done for that precious girl down there what he done for this drunken Scotchman he can do for you I want everybody to mind the Lord. As I thought about this meeting, let me read you some scripture and I'll be very brief this morning. Try to anyhow. S.D. Heron says, when a preacher says that, don't believe him. <laughs> reading, reading from 1 Timothy this morning, I'll probably just build a bit of an outline and let you go give you something to take home with you other than my testimony. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 beginning to read at verse 6 and reading through verse 12. 1 Timothy Chapter 6, beginning at verse 6 and reading through verse 12. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into a temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. I appreciate what Dr. Flexen said the other day. I know some men that are very wealthy, they're still very godly. The love of money is the root of all evil which, while some coveted after, 
They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. In the series of uh, messages that Brother Wilcox was giving, let me see, I don't think he's here this morning, at the, uh, at the School of the Prophets in Salem, a series of messages that Brother Wilcox was giving on working with the Word, rich, marvelous messages. He pointed out to us that the homiletical outline of your sermon is but the wheelbarrow that you build and then you load the wheelbarrow with the material that comes with the homiletical outline and do your best to get the material on the job. However, he said, you must be careful that you don't overload the wheelbarrow. Be careful you don't put more in the wheelbarrow than you're able to push. Well, I'll tell you what this morning. If I put more on the wheelbarrow than I can get to you, I'll just leave the wheelbarrow where it is and you come and help yourself. Out of the scripture I've read you this morning, I see three words here that I would like to, uh, you to uh, think with me about for a little while. And you notice this passage of scripture is directed to the man of God, beginning in verse 11. But thou, O man of God. That's a tremendous title. I covet a title like that for myself. That I could be known not for my fame, not for my fortune, not for any other uh, human accomplishment, but that I might have the tag on me. There goes a man of God. So this scripture, this 11th verse and 12th verse where I want to dwell for just a few minutes, this passage is addressed to the man of God. Notice with me in this scripture three words, and if you, if you have no objections to marking your Bible, put a little ring around these, each one of these words. Word number one. Thou, O man of God, flee! These things. Thou, O man of God, fall after righteousness and so on. Thou, O man of God, fight the good fight of faith. Flee, follow, and fight. Are you here? Wake up. Now, to just leave it there wouldn't be fair. If I'm exhorted to flee, what or who am I exhorted to flee from? If I'm exhorted to follow, who or what am I to follow after? 
If I'm exhorted to fight, who or what am I supposed to fight? So much for the wheelbarrow. <laughs> so much for the wheelbarrow. Thou, O man of God, flee these things. My good brother White, down at the dining room table the other day, he won't mind me talking about him. He and I have a lot of good times together. Some issue came up somewhere, and uh, he, he gave this man to know that uh, people like him from Tennessee didn't run. Well, that may be all well and good in some places. Bless God, I just don't back up. I do. And I give you a little something this morning. You can take it or leave it. God put a good reverse gear in me. Gentlemen, I've had to back up a lot of times. Put in reverse. Brother Barnum would say, I was wrong. I made a mistake. <laughs> Thou, O man of God, flee these things. What things? Some of them are listed here. The love of money. Oh. And, 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 the, and the exhortation that goes with it here. The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after. I could name you more preachers tonight than I've got fingers to count that fell by the wayside because they was overcome by the love of money. I think of a young man that had, had all the qualifications for a tremendous preacher and a pastor. Oh, what ability he had. What a personality this young man had. He was called to a certain church, and uh, the church just couldn't support him like he wanted to be supported, and, uh, and uh, just couldn't have the nice things. His wife couldn't have the nice things that she thought she ought to have that everybody else had. And, uh, and, uh, but it's surprising, friends, in the work of God, the things he can get along without. So he went to this particular church, and there was a uh, there was a good businessman there in the church. He said, "Now, Reverend," he said, "We'll not be able to pay you like we'd like to, but he said, uh, I have a plan by which we can make it up to you." Oh, he said, "You be at my office on Monday morning at a certain time," and he said, "I want to introduce you to a man." So the young fellow went down to the office, and he took him in his car. Took him over to a real estate man, he said, uh, a friend of his, and he said, uh, I want you to introduce you to our new young pastor. And he introduced him to the pastor, and he said, I'm bringing the pastor down for a reason. He said, we're just not able to pay him like we'd like to. And he said, I, I thought maybe you could steer a little a customer his way once in a while that wants to buy a piece of real estate. You have a house you want to sell or show. That maybe, maybe, maybe our pastor could, uh, you could kind of coach him and, and help him uh, to show the property uh, right and maybe make a sale and uh, uh, kind of supplement his salary a little bit. Well, 
it, look, it doesn't look too bad on the surface, really, does it? Doesn't look too bad on the surface. And that big, that big fat night crawler that's floating, that's, that's down in the water, doesn't look too bad on the surface either. But when that fish grabs the night crawler, he finds out, finds out he's got something else than a night crawler in his hand. There's a hook in it. The real estate man said, fine, he said, I'd be glad to help the reverend here. We'll fix you up a little desk in this corner and put your name right here. And uh, we just, you just uh, hold still and, uh, and uh, wait and we'll see what happens. wasn't very long. Sure enough, there came a piece of business that he thought the reverend could handle. He'd give him a few pointers. He said, they'll be here. He said, there's my car. Take them out in my car and show them the property. And would you know what happened? The very first attempt that young preacher made at selling a piece of property, bang, he made it. And with one sale, he had three months' salary in his pocket. Hey, that's not bad. <laughs> that's not bad. Oh, this is tremendous. You know, well, praise the Lord. He said, look what the Lord is doing for us. But the Lord had no part of that. You know something, friends? God, I seem to find that, that God permits a lot of things he doesn't approve of. Permitted that young man to make that sale. It wasn't very long before the end of the week. Here comes another customer. A piece of property, an empty, an empty lot that somebody wanted to buy. Take him out and show it to him. Showed him the property, showed him the school, showed him the churches around. Bang! Another sale. And they're inside of two weeks. Woo! He's, he's in clover. But it wasn't very long until he was so busy selling real estate. And making money. And he began to neglect the things of God. And if we're not careful, people, right in our generation, right in this day and age in which you and I live, if we're not careful, why we're getting the things that money can buy? We're letting slip through our fingers the things that money can't buy. Flee these things. Flee these things. The love of money. I think written across the gravestone of many a good preacher, holiness preacher, if you please, could be written these words, died from the love of money. Almighty God, I see thy face. Make my pocket thy resting place. I need thee every hour. Brother, that's about the code under which some holiness preachers are living today. Men that one time were a fire for God. Men that one time shoot congregations like this so you couldn't hardly sit still. Men that, 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 that could just sway audiences and get people to the altar and, and fill the altar night after night after night after night have succumbed to the love of money. Oh, may the Holy Ghost help us here. Please, get away from it. I'm afraid of it. A precious Indian brother that I knew many years ago died now and gone to heaven was very, was very, very, very much connected with God's Bible school in days gone by. His name was Charles Pamp, an Indian brother. I don't know if any of you folks knew him or not. 
doing well, been in our home many, many times, and slept in our beds and held some tremendous meetings for us. We was holding a tent meeting in the city of Detroit, and uh, I was running the tent meeting, and Brother Pamp was doing the preaching for us. And uh, a man came to the uh, meeting one night, and he said, Brother Harden, I'd like, to, I'd like to talk to Brother Pam. Fine, good. I'm sure he'd be glad to talk to you. So he told Brother Pam, he said, he said that, 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 old, that, old, that old rusted out Ford you're driving out, that, is that all you've got? That's all I've got. You deserve something better than that. Brother Pam said, that may be true, but he said, when God gets ready to give it to me, I'm sure he'll see it to it himself. He said, until something better comes along, I'll drive that old rusted out Ford. No, you will not. He said, I've got just the automobile for you. Brother Pam said, I don't have any money. You don't need any. We came home from the tent meeting that night. We're sitting around the kitchen in our home having a little cup of coffee or tea or something. He said, uh, Matthew. I said, yes, yeah, something bothering you. Yeah, he said that, that uh, he described the man. He said he, he wants to give me a, a new automobile. Ooh, I said, my, my. Said, that's, that's, that's tremendous, John. I said, uh, you don't act too happy about it. No, he said, I'm not. He said, I'm going to have to preach to that man. And he said, it just might be that some night, some truth that God wants to lay on my heart for that man would stop me. That new car would stop me from preaching to that man. I said, I see what you mean. He said, what would you think of me if I told the man I didn't want that car? I said, I think he was doing perfectly right. I'm going to lose some of you. I, I can tell. I just, I just feel I'm going to lose some of you now. And came to me some time ago. <clears throat> Wanted to buy me some new clothes. My wife bought me this one. I take them from her. The rest of them I get at the Goodwill store. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good brother George McIntosh bought me four here some time ago. For 61 cents for all four suits. And for I, when I asked the lady for a ministerial discount, Brother McIntosh disappeared. <laughs> but I, I, I'm, I'm afraid of this kind of thing. I'm afraid of this kind of thing. I'm afraid of this kind of thing. The only favor I owe you, friend, is to love you and preach the gospel. And I'm going to tread mighty carefully along this line. The love of money is the root of all evils, which while some have coveted after. Look at, look at, the, look at the awful words here. While some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Flee the love of money. 
There's one more item here in fleeing. I, I'm going to get no further than this. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to get to the, I'm not going to be able to get the wheelbarrow to you. You'll have to come around and help yourself. But uh, I, I see up here in verse number five something that kind of bothers me a little too. And I, I'm, I'm preaching to us. The brethren behind me, the man that's here in the pulpit, you that are out there. Here's another very, very, very dangerous thing that I feel in our generation. and Perverse disputings of men. I have, a, I have a strange, I have a strange feeling when people come around to me and want to argue with me and dispute with me over issues that are plain and clear in God's word. I set myself. And by the time they get ready for the punchline, I've got the word right there. Brother, here's what it says. And I'm just foolish enough to believe it says what it means and it means what it says. But you notice something with me here. There's a distinguishing characteristic about these people that the Apostle Paul speaks about. Flee this thing, friend. Perverse disputings of men. What kind of men? Men of corrupt minds. And I have come to the conclusion, friend, in my own mind, you can take it for what it's worth. I have come to the conclusion in my own mind that when some of these so-called smart alecks come around and want to change the book, they're just trying to tell me they're smarter than the Almighty. Or they're telling me there's something in the book that bothers them. And they don't like it. They want to take it out of that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Flee these things. I have no time. I have no disposition. I absolutely refuse to the point that I've insulted some people. I have no time, friend, to argue about the Bible. This book doesn't need me to defend it, Mr. Downing. I have no time to defend the Bible. I'm too busy preaching it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise. Three these things. The love of money, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such. Back off. Excuse me. This is just not my kind of company. Supposing that gain is godliness. I'm afraid, I, I'm afraid that we've come to a place and the holiness movement today, where gain seems to be more important than godliness. Yeah. S.D. Hearn makes a tremendous statement. He said, I'm afraid in some areas of the conservative moral holiness movement today, we're living in the book of Numbers instead of in the book of Acts. Amen. 
Pray there are some, there are some people in the conservative holiness movement today that will increase their numbers at any cost. No matter who's embarrassed. Friend, you just as well come into my home and try to steal my children as to come to my church and try to steal my members. Amen. Amen. I had trouble getting that out, but I got it. Anything, anything, anything for a big report. Anything for a big report. No matter at whose at who's cost, no matter who's embarrassed, no matter who's involved. Well, I knew I'd lose some of you. I lost some more of you that time. If the only way you can build up your congregation is by tearing somebody else's down, friend, you're not even a Christian. Profess to be a holiness preacher if you like. But the only way you can build up your congregation is by tearing somebody else's down. And the only way you can get some sheep is by crossing somebody else's fence and getting their sheep. You're not even a Christian. You don't even have good manners. Amen. Oh, where, 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 where was I here? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Supposing that gain is godliness. Well, I tell you, preacher, I try to get along with everybody. I don't. There's a lot of people don't like me. Does that surprise you too much? Amen. A lot of people just assume I'd never been born. But I was. <laughs> Second time, too. Praise God. Supposing that gain is godliness, what to do with these? Well, God bless you, my brother. No, sir. Withdraw, Eliza. I don't like thieves. The Bible says, let him that stole steal no more. And that goes just as much for somebody else's church members as it does for their pocketbook. As a matter of fact, I'd rather you take my, oh, I don't have, I'd rather you take my pocketbook than to take members from my church. Ooh. Amen. Free those things. Follow after godliness, righteousness, faithfulness, and, 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 and all that's on the catalog. And then fight the good fight of faith. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. God bless you. Shall we stand? You're dismissed. I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA. It has been passed. I don't want to lose the fire.
Yes, I do.